Welcome to Homedance Film Festival, the podcast that brings a little bit of the Sundance Film Festival to you. We discuss two movies that played at Sundance along with one non-Sundance film, plus a few other fun things thrown in along the way. Today we're discussing Ingrid Goes West, Camp X-Ray, and Drop Dead Gorgeous. I'm Jessica. And I'm Dylan. Dylan, it's our 10th episode. What? That's not too shabby! It can't be. (laughs) We've made it. What important lessons have we learned over this vast journey? That will always be awkward. I think one of the most important things that I've learned is that the editing process can make us sound a lot more coherent than we actually are when we're recording. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Thanks to everyone who has continued to listen at this point. We very much appreciate it. (laughs) Yes, thanks for sticking with us. And let us know if there's anything that you would like to see us incorporate more into the show or that you like or dislike. Benefer's back, baby. <laughs> nice transition. <laughs> <laughs> they were spotted on a cuddly date recently. And I think everyone's really obsessed with it because it, it transports us back to a simpler time, which I think was 2004, but I'm not sure. <laughs> if we're going to go back there, I want less Geely and more... <laughs> appreciation of Jersey Girl, because that's where it's at. That was a good one. I think people are talking about, like, let's remake another Benefer movie. Like, let's not have a a Julie this time. Yeah, I know people rag on it and say it's awful. That was one for last year that I made us watch, because I was like, surely (laughs) it's not that terrible. Then we watched it, I'm like, oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. This is dreadful. But Jersey Girl, on the other hand, that's unfairly maligned, I feel. I really enjoy that one. I remember the first time I watched it and got me really good right in the feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even because I'm a Kevin Smith fanboy. I just mm-hmm. think it's a nice departure for him. Yeah, I remember being surprised whenever I learned that it was a Kevin Smith movie. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I wish the couple luck. If that's where they want to go, if he wants to stop trying to pick up random people on uh, uh, Raya. Yeah, Raya, Raya. probably. And wants to settle down with what should have been a Academy Award nominated Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers, then go for it. Yeah, and hopefully he can still go and make his Duncan runs because he's got to have the donkeys. And she won't stop that because we need a Ben who has Duncan. I just wish people would leave him alone. <laughs> Dude just wants some coffee and probably a few donuts and just live his life. I respect it. I think that's great. Poor and guy. if he kept doing it, I'd cheer him on. Because you know what? I like Duncan too. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan, if you if you want to sponsor us. Please. I would love it. Come on. <laughs> Bring the donkeys. <laughs> Please, donkeys. <laughs> it's been one week. <laughs> It's been a week. How was it? It's been pretty, pretty good week. I've watched a couple interesting flicks that I wanted to tell you about. Okay. One film, it's just such a delightful surprise, was a movie from last year called A Ghost Waits. I recently got in from Arrow Video. It's about a ghost working out with weights. Yeah, yeah, ghost weights. Yeah. Now, it's about a haunted house, of course, but it's about a handyman who goes in to fix this uh, rental property where families keep suddenly leaving in a, like, a hurry, and the owner's not really sure why people are leaving, and turns out it's haunted. Um, <laughs> 
Um, but it's a really lighthearted take. It's a super low-budget movie. It kind of reminded me of A Ghost Story, which we both really like, yeah, but even lower budget. Whenever you said the title, I immediately thought about that, but it's not scary or whatever. Yeah, and this isn't either. Hmm. Um, it's very lighthearted. There's a few horror elements, I would say, but more so it's kind of like a paranormal romance almost um, and has elements kind of similar to Beetlejuice. It's showtime. Which is fun. I don't want to give away too much of the movie. It just made me feel so much. And there, the way it uses music and its outlook on life and love. All the good stuff. Yeah. I It was one that whenever I was watching it, I was like, oh, I really should be watching this with Jessica. <laughs> and I, I really want us to watch it closer to Halloween because I think you would really enjoy it. Because it would heal my existential pain. Maybe. <laughs> Probably. I think this movie can do it. It's from a first-time director. His name is Adam Stovall. And the actors who are in it, they're no one of extreme popularity. Um, They're both very good. McLeod Andrews, who also co-wrote it with Stovall, and this girl named Natalie Walker, who I think we've seen on Search Party, but I do not remember her character because it's been a while since we've watched it. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, she's big on Twitter. She's very fun. She's a normally comic person, but she plays kind of off type in this role. Mm. So I highly recommend it. It's a low budget, black and white indie mm. paranormal romance film that's very good. Highly recommended. Watch this movie. It's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year. Well, I can't wait to see it. That's not the only movie I watched this week. There's another one that I wanted to talk about. I don't love quite as much. It is a 1996 French film directed by, I'll attempt this, Jacques Doyon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all of our French speaking, or just anyone who had to hear that. Yeah. It is a movie called Ponette, and it's about a four-year-old who loses her mother in a car crash, and just her having to reckon with this and understand what has happened, and it's a very simple film. It's mostly just this four-year-old going around, like, missing her mother and trying to understand death, and people keep giving her kind of thoughts on it and trying to help her out, but a lot of them are other kids, so they'll tell her wrong things about religious (laughs) afterlife stuff and she's just trying to process all of this stuff and it sounds kind of like a bummer and it is but it also has some lighthearted moments but the best thing is the little girl playing Ponette she's an actual four-year-old and this is one of the best child performances that I've ever seen it is incredible because I've seen four-year-olds they're pretty stupid a lot of times (laughs) but this apologies to all of our four-year-old listeners (laughs) four-year-olds don't be listening to this. Uh, but this little girl, I learned afterwards that she was the little girl in Chocolat. Chocolat. But just the way she acts and just, it blew me away. She's incredible. She's like a Dakota Fanning, but French. <laughs> yes, exactly. No, she's like a little Meryl Streep just tearing it up on the screen. Four-year-old Meryl. Yeah. But this movie, I really did like it. She put on a great performance. And just watching this little girl, like I said, there are moments of levity and everything. But just watching these kids be kids, it's great. (laughs) I probably didn't sell it well, but it's great. Trust me. Okay, I believe you. Anyway, now that I'm fired up about this, I think I'm ready. I'm ready to dance, Jessica. Oh, I think I am too. Shall we Sundance? We shall.
is together stays together. Hashtag perfect. True romance vibes. Hashtag yes. perfect. Perfect. Congratulations. Oh my god, it's Ingrid Sorburn. I thought she was in an insane asylum. <laughs> Suspicious. Ingrid Goes West premiered at Sundance in 2017, where it won the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award. It was written by Matt Spicer and David Branson Smith, and directed by Matt Spicer. It stars Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Wyatt Russell, and Billy Magnuson. Following the death of her mother and a series of self-inflicted setbacks, young Ingrid Thorburn escapes a humdrum existence by moving out west to befriend her Instagram obsession, a Los Angeles socialite named Taylor Sloan. After a quick bond is forged between these unlikeliest of buddies, the facade begins to crack in both women's lives with comically malicious results. There's some things that I wanted to talk about with the ending, but I didn't want to give away spoilers, so I was thinking maybe we should do a little spoiler section at the end of this, so... Okay. Like, stop it and watch. (laughs) (laughs) I like this movie a lot. No one should go in thinking that it's going to be a comedy. Please do not. It is not. And the first half of the movie is a little bit more comedic than the second half, but still, it is not a comedy. (laughs) Do not expect that. And Aubrey Plaza was excellent, but of course she was. She's very good at these characters. And Elizabeth Olsen was really good, too. I really enjoyed both of their performances. I really loved both of their chemistry together. The movie is really dark, and it covers a lot of dark stuff. Uh, Namely, just, like, what social media can do to a person, especially if you're mentally unstable. And, like, it will make depression worse, and it makes FOMO worse, it makes obsession worse. It's pretty dangerous a lot of times. But on a lighter note, this... (laughs) This movie did give me one of my favorite GIF moments of Aubrey and Elizabeth, like whenever they're doing all of their press junket stuff for this movie. Mm -hmm. There's like this GIF of Aubrey standing and Elizabeth is behind her and they're looking at something. I think they're on like a game show, like playing a game. And Elizabeth slaps Aubrey's butt and Aubrey looks back with like the best look I've ever seen on her face. It's this really intense smile. I love it. So please, everyone, look up that gift. It is the best. And inevitably, it comes up whenever anyone talks about Elizabeth and Aubrey. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. I really enjoy this film. Well, enjoy might be a strong word. It is <laughs> deeply uncomfortable. Yes. So <laughs> That's what I meant to say. I was very uncomfortable during it. I get secondhand embarrassment from people. Like, I'll feel uncomfortable embarrassed. But yeah. it doesn't stop me from wanting to watch things like The Office with yeah. Michael Scott stuff. Because I love The Office and I can handle that stuff, I guess. I like it. Yeah. It never keeps me from wanting to watch a movie. There are times where I just want to bury my head in my shirt and just be like, no. No, don't do this. It works because Aubrey is, like you said, she's so great at this type of character. Mm -hmm. And of course, everyone, she kind of radiates darkness, (laughs) which we saw in another Sundance movie, Black Bear, Mm -hmm. that we watched uh, last year. And she's great at dark humor, which is great for me. (laughs) Yeah, but there's not a maliciousness about it. There's like kind of like a charm behind it like a Mm -hmm. there's a likability behind her you root for her despite her being 
a crazy pants. Mentally ill. Yeah. If it didn't come across, she is essentially a Taylor Sloan stalker. Yeah. And Taylor Sloan is played by Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, she's wanting to ingratiate herself into this life and pretend to be someone she's not just to get closer to her and enmesh herself in her life. Basically, almost single white female her, like, become her. Kind of, yeah. She really wants friends and she really wants attention. She's lonely, but she's also mentally ill. Yeah, but it's not enough for her to have friends. She basically wants her to be her only friend. Yeah, she latches on to the people that she meets and has even, like, the slightest connection with. Mm -hmm. And then she latches on so hard, it's it implodes from there. She destroys the relationship because it's too much. (laughs) Yeah, if anyone comes into, like, Taylor's life, it does not sit well with her because she kind of wants her all for herself, except for Taylor's boyfriend, Ezra, Mm -hmm. who she enjoys getting to know him as well, but it's all about Taylor. Yeah, I liked that kind of relationship that they had because I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting her to be hateful to him Mm -hmm. because he took some of Taylor's attention. They had, like, a connection because they could kind of commiserate together about, like, the fakeness of social media and everything Mm -hmm. because he's not on social media. Yeah. So... It was nice. Yeah, Wyatt Russell, he did a really great job in that mm-hmm. role. And I remarked yesterday that we've been watching a lot of Wyatt Russell stuff this week because we also <laughs> watched Everybody Wants Some. Quick side note, just a fun fact. Wyatt Russell, he starred in this great AMC series called Lodge 49 mm-hmm. that I highly recommend. There are two seasons on Hulu. But I don't say this just for the hell of it. I'm saying it because <laughs> the great musician Andrew Carroll, who composes our music for our show, he did the music for Lodge 49. Mm-hmm. So check it out. It's great. It's pretty cool. Yeah, he does a great job with that. <laughs> but back to the movie. Like you said, this does take a pretty dramatic turn in the latter half because whenever you watch a movie about someone pretending to be someone they're not, you know that... It all has to crumble. Yeah, it's not just going to sail into the sunset just like, yeah, she's going to continue, never going to get found out. She's just going to be Taylor's friend forever, and it's going to work out great. That's not real life. Yeah. There are a lot of humorous ways that the film takes down social media and L.A. culture, like hipster culture, especially in the first half of the film. I really enjoyed whenever Aubrey goes to this restaurant that Taylor appreciates, and the the waiter asks a question of the day and (laughs) asks her about her her deepest human emotion. trauma her deepest emotional wound yeah which i thought was very funny yeah and she was like no thank you i don't want to (laughs) i don't want to participate in this I like how the movie tackles the issue where people only post positive things on their social media and it's usually like, this is the best thing ever, or this is the best day of my life, or look how much fun I'm having. And you don't see all of the pitfalls and depression spirals and the pain that some people go through. You don't see a lot of negative things unless the person wants to share it. But people will look at all of this stuff on social media. They'll scroll and they'll scroll and they'll compare and they'll compare. And then they're like, I'm not doing these things. I'm not with them having the best night of my life. I must have a really sucky life. I must be a boring person. And it just spirals and spirals and it's 
not good. <laughs> yeah, that's why I uh, rarely scroll through Instagram. I just keep <laughs> my idea of what people are doing in my head. Last year on my Instagram, I probably posted four mm-hmm. images maybe, and one of them was our dog Orion watching the Hulu save screen. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's about right. But I wasn't doing anything in 2020. What I was going to do, just post a different picture of me watching a movie. Nah, yeah. no one's interested in that. I like seeing the different celebrities that I follow because I like to keep up with their projects. So yeah. I usually learn things through it. And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jessica Chastain posted this thing. Yes. <laughs> I will always follow Jessica Chastain because she also posts fun videos and she's amusing. Yes, I love her and am mildly obsessed with her. But <laughs> I just, I'm not. I'm All not, right, Ingrid. Yeah, I'm not to that level. <laughs> Yeah, it's tackling some serious issues and in a kind of realistic way, just exaggerated for effect. Yeah. But there are stalkers in the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. People who can become a bit too unhinged. But one of the first things you see from Ingrid, apart from her uh, losing her mind on a previous person that was kind of similar to Taylor in her life. Yeah. Her previous obsession. After that, it's just her on Instagram trying to craft her perfect comment on Taylor's posts. And she just goes through (laughs) five or so iterations of just deleting and Mm -hmm. figuring out what's the most clever thing to say. And uh, it's just so exhausting. Yeah. Just trying to seem like you've just artificially come up with this perfect thing. And yeah, that might seem interesting to some people. Yeah. It's like a full-time job keeping up with Instagram and Facebook and everything and basically kind of a fake life. Yeah. That's why you just don't play the game, baby. Just have like 30 followers, uh, 10 of them are bots and just be good. Yeah. But sometimes it's people's jobs because they're influencers and stuff. So yeah. they have to always be on it. So I imagine that would be pretty terrible. Thank God we influence nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Because Taylor's character, she is a little bit of an Instagram influencer Mm -hmm. because she's also a photographer, but brands come to her and ask her to take pictures. So she's always posting and recommending things. And Yeah, she built herself up to that. Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. as Dan, Mm -hmm. Ingrid's landlord and Batman enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) He did a really good job. He's proven he can be very good in comedic roles, such as the long shot, but I did really like how complex his character was in this, and I really liked his relationship with Ingrid. Yeah, I liked his character. I wasn't expecting him to play as big a role as he did, because mm-hmm. I thought he would just kind of float off and not be mm-hmm. so involved, but he was good, and I liked their interactions, and I liked that he's like kind of obsessed with Ingrid a little bit, and then Ingrid's obsessed with Taylor, and then there's levels and levels. Stacks on stacks on stacks, man. Obsession. Oh, the smell of it. But his is isn't unhealthy though no and he puts up with a lot with ingrid because she's very i guess i'd say prickly Mm -hmm. but he just keeps on trying to be her friend and (laughs) give her second chances when she's doing some wild stuff yeah she always has her guard up even whenever she's talking to her obsessions which is weird But I guess because she wants to seem perfect and cool and she wants to be liked so badly that she won't let her guard down. So definitely watch this movie, but don't expect it to be hilarious and don't expect it to be a light movie. It is not. It has darker themes and I guess I could say a content warning or trigger warning of like self-harm and obsessive unhealthy behavior and unhealthy relationships as well and cringe humor or cringe situations. So just be warned. Yeah, you will want to cross inside yourself and die. (laughs) 
Just a little bit. Okay, I'm going to get to a little bit of like a spoiler. So anyone who has not seen this movie, please stop this right now and don't listen to this part. And fast forward five minutes, I'm saying, and listen for me to say in spoiler. So I was reading comments about the ending and a lot of people were saying that, well, they were angry because they said that it glorifies or like enforces suicide for attention. And I think they just totally missed the mark on that. I don't think it's saying that at all. What I took from it, I think you're supposed to see what she has done as sad and just be like, oh, she's once again in this unhealthy cycle. Yeah. Like she's always going to be in it. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying that the ending missed the mark because they could have done something better. Like they were trying to say something and they could have made it better but then it they took it to a darker place like whenever she wakes up yeah the ending made me exasperated <laughs> i didn't love the ending yeah but it's just because i want ingrid to kind of learn a lesson <laughs> but she learns not great lessons yeah it's a bummer of an ending yeah you see that she's gonna get into another cycle it's a different cycle because she's not obsessed with someone it's just because she has all these likes and attention yeah it does end enforce the behavior for her but I don't think the movie was saying that everyone should try to attempt suicide to get attention or be a social media influencer which yeah. is what some people are angry about and also maybe this is just one of those things where it's just me where I'm like I think you can kind of see where it's going during the movie like whenever she buys the house I kind of have the feeling like uh, is she gonna try to kill herself and then whenever there's the blow up and she goes back to the house I'm like oh no don't kill yourself but then she tries so I don't know maybe it's one of those things where I'm like I thought you could see it happening but a lot of people were like it was a crazy turn maybe if she just actually hadn't survived her suicide attempt maybe it would have but would people be even angrier uh maybe it probably would have been more realistic yeah it would have been way bummer of an ending I think they wanted her to like wake up but not go back into the cycle and not have Dan show her the phone and be like, hey, look at all these likes. Yeah, you're popular now. Now you're the person that people are following. And she might get her own Ingrid's following her and... But will she continue to post what people are responding to and being real? Will she continue to have her dark suicidal thoughts and post about them and gain likes? Will she be performative in that? Or will she be genuine? It no posed one, a lot of questions. Yeah, no one knows. And then she was, it was kind of like her suicide note, but it was a video. How She knows that she's sick and she needs help and she wants help. And she doesn't like that she is the way that she is. So I feel like she's not going to get help. Probably not. I mean, she'd gotten help before and it didn't help. Yeah. But she needs, like, continuing help. She needs to be off of social media. Yeah. Which she knew, but then as soon as she got out, she got right back on it as soon as she could. As soon as I think I'm out, they pull me right okay. back in. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the ethos of Twitter, because... Yeah. Whenever you're not on it, you're just like, well, oh, I see that I have a notification pop up on the icon. Let mm -hmm. me just check it. And then you just find yourself in a Twitter spiral. Yeah. I just don't think that the movie was glorifying suicide. Yeah. It bothers me whenever people misinterpret things or they just miss the mark. I don't know. To take that one thing away from this whole movie that it just bothers me. That's all. End spoiler.
That was one heck of a spoiler section. <laughs> one element of the film that I really liked was the soundtrack of the film. Mm-hmm. Especially there's a pivotal scene uh, kind of halfway through the movie where both Ingrid and Taylor are listening to All My Life by Casey and Jojo. Yeah. And I was reading that that wasn't supposed to originally be the song that was playing, <laughs> even though it is kind of perfect for their sing-along. It was originally supposed to be uh, Kiss from a Rose by oh. Seal, which was supposed to feed into Dan's Batman obsession. Oh, yeah. But Seal asking too much money for his song, oh. so Casey and Jojo coming in clutch with their cheaper alternative. I think that it was a great choice, though. It yeah. really works. That's probably my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah, it was really great. And I like seeing Elizabeth and Aubrey just being so light and fun with each other. Because you kind of get caught up in the fantasy that Ingrid wants because she wants to be Taylor's best friend. And then whenever you see them yeah. actually progressing to that and becoming best friends, you can become kind of charmed and just want this manufactured relationship to just continue. Yeah, I like the look on Ingrid's face whenever things seem to be working and she's kind of surprised whenever Mm. she'll say something and Taylor responds positively and she's like, whoa. This is cool. She like smiles and then gets into it. Like with the song, she's kind of taken aback and she's like, okay, cool, let's do this. I mean, I was rooting for their friendship because I wanted Ingrid to have a friend, but I'm thinking also the whole time that it's unhealthy and it's never going to work, but I want them to be friends. Yeah, that's one of the strong points of the movie is that it's executed well enough that you kind of forget for a few moments that what the scenario is. And you're just like, I want these people to be friends. I want it to be good. Yeah. I also like that you can see the real chemistry between just Aubrey and Elizabeth Mm -hmm. because they're friends. So you can see it come through and it's nice because it's just like them actually hanging out in a car. I'm all for any content, TV, movies, giving Elizabeth Olsen more to do because Mm -hmm. I think she's really great. And this is just yet another aspect of her. Yeah. And it, it kind of reminded me, I wonder if she took any influence from her sisters in this role because they're such a big presence on their names and they... They were influencers before Instagram. Yeah. So I wonder if she took any of that in probably, her portrayal. Probably a little bit. Even though I don't think she would say, I'm being my sisters because I'm sure they're cooler than... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. Who knows? I don't think they're fake. Yeah, I don't either. I also agree that Elizabeth Olsen is underappreciated outside of the Marvel Universe because movies like Wind River, yeah, she is great, but that's also dramatic. But she's great. Comedy, drama. Girls got range. Indeed. Oh, good for you. And how was it? Jessica, what is your rating system for this movie? My rating system is twin lady emoji. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I would give this movie three and a half twin lady emojis out of five. Nice. I would give this movie three twin lady emojis out of five. <laughs> it was very good. The performances were good. It wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Yeah. But heck, that's six dancing ladies. So that's a party. <laughs> that's a lot of dancing shoes. <laughs> If you want to see how you feel about this movie, it is currently available to stream on Hulu and available on Blu-ray. Make no mistake about it. This is a war zone. Ted Hutt, honor bound. Some of these guys have been locked up in here for eight years. You will refer to them as detainees. You will not call them prisoners. You can talk to them. But do not let these guys know anything about you. Do not let them get inside your head. 
how did you end up in this place? How did you end up here? It's been a very long time that I have been waiting, not knowing how all these things are going to end. All these things can change. Do you like it here in Guantanamo Bay? I don't know. It's not as black and white as they said it was going to be. Camp X-Ray premiered at the 2014 Sundance Film Festival in the U.S. Dramatic Competition category. The film is written and directed by first-time director Peter Sadler. It stars Kristen Stewart, Heyman Moyadi, John Carroll Lynch, Lane Garrison, and Joseph Julian Soraya. A young soldier escapes her suffocating small town by joining the military, only to find that she isn't going for a tour of duty in Iraq as she hoped. Instead, she's sent to Guantanamo. Met with hatred and abuse from the men who in her charge, she forges an odd friendship with a young man who has been in prison in Gitmo for eight years. So yeah, movie about Guantanamo. Uh, this isn't the lightest movie, but it is very good. I think this is a very good movie and Kristen is amazing in it. One of my favorite things is that post-Twilight, even pre-Twilight, but people have really recognized post-Twilight that she is a woman with range and she tries a lot of different types of roles. Mm -hmm. Even her randomly showing up in the Charlie's Angels reboot. While I did <laughs> didn't love the movie i appreciated that she was just once again just saying hey i'm just trying something new just i just want to try something out yeah so Kristen was really great in this role and it's an interesting role because she is portraying someone who just to see her go through this system and figure out how she is expected to act with these detainees as they're told to say because they're not supposed to call them prisoners mm. and compared to her personal feelings of what she believes about them and what she comes to feel about each person it's an interesting journey because because she's treated differently a little bit because she's a woman mm -hmm. but then also she proves herself early on as someone who's more than happy to get into the fray and she's not going to shrink away from the tough jobs yeah she also has to do that because to they, prove herself yes yeah she has to yeah so just seeing how she has to act both in front of her co-workers as well as in front of the prisoners it's a really delicate balancing act that i think she pulls off really well yeah i agree Kristen is pretty great in this movie she's really good and i myself am a big case stew fan so i was looking forward to this movie i didn't expect it to be as good as it was but it definitely delivers i like the kind of tough things that they explore like these detainees are in there for what you think is attacking the country, just terrorist stuff, because it's after 9-11. You think they're probably in there for a valid reason. Yeah, and they're not allowed to talk to the detainees and get to know them because, I mean, it can be dangerous. Like, if you tell them where you're from and your family and everything, they have connections, and if they get out, it could be bad. But you're not allowed to figure out why they're in there, really. But they're told why they're in there only by government officials, like what they tell you. So you don't know them, really. And then this 
one detainee is trying to form a bond with anyone, basically. He always reaches out to the new guards that come in, and he's trying to talk to them and form this bond because he's so lacking in human connection, and he needs it, so he's just desperate, and he wants to talk to them, but they won't, and then Kristen's character kind of breaks a little bit, and they form this relationship, but she has to struggle with knowing he's in here, so she's thinking he's a bad guy, but then she comes to care for him a little bit. Yeah, she can't be sure if he's trying to manipulate her or, like, who she can trust because she wants to trust her government and everything, who says this man is in here for a reason, but... Yeah. Also, as we've learned, a lot of people were put in Guantanamo for no damn good reason at all, so... That's what I kept thinking, just because of all the stuff that I've learned since 9-11, and you don't know, and it's both kind of scary, but then also maybe more so just sad. She wants to help him, but then she feels bad and conflicted for helping him, because she's not doing her job properly and correctly, Mm -hmm. because she's talking to him and she likes talking to him. Yeah, but also, in addition to... To her struggling with that. She also has to struggle with some of the people in her unit and how they treat her and yeah. take advantage of her and just general sexist bullshit that comes up with uh, yeah. and like, sexual harassment. Yeah, one of her superiors, he's pretty much the worst to her. And then their interactions are always so tense because... You can feel, like, the tension from him, how he wants to take advantage of her, basically. Yeah. And then their whole interaction and relationship was so weird to me because it went somewhere that I was expecting it not because of her, like, where she took it. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? What is happening? <laughs> it was strange, but I think it's just because she's so emotionally wrought every day. Well, she's shown in the beginning to be kind of impulsive and kind of almost gets a thrill out of certain high energy situations because she gets punched in the face Mm. early on in the film by a prisoner and on the bus ride back, she just kind of has like a grin on her face from her battle wound, basically. Yeah, she's pleased and proud that she's kind of one of the guys. Yeah, so I think she gets kind of keyed up sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) just enters into situations which that hit to her face, that would have broken her jaw, but it didn't in the movie. But I was just like, damn, <laughs> that would have broken her face. <laughs> that dude was big. It's interesting that they try to soften you to this prisoner character mm-hmm. by simply mentioning that he's been trying to read the final <laughs> Harry Potter book for years, <laughs> yeah. but they won't get it into the library. Yeah. And just that, that small struggle of knowing everyone has had that time where they so desperately want to know the ending of something that's really important to them. Yeah. And just that weight that you have to sustain to get to the ending, you just feel for that. And then just the simple act of him wanting to know what happens to Harry Potter. It's very relatable. It's a very quick way to endear you to this character. Yeah, I thought that part was kind of amusing. Yeah. I like that they put that in there. Just kind of a lighter moment. Mm -hmm. In a movie filled with more darker turns. The movie also isn't, it's not 100% sympathetic to him either. It's not just, he's this saint of a prisoner and Mm. everyone else is bad because he does some stuff because he's so frustrated with his situation that he just kind of goes along with some of the acts of defiance that the prisoners can have against them, some involving feces and other uh, duty. Yeah, and covering up their windows and stuff, just poking at the guards, basically, because they're so mad because they have no control. Yeah. So they're just trying to lash out 
at the guards. So he's not just someone who's constantly zen and just saying, I wish I wasn't in here. He, he gets into some stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't say that he's a, a character where you're like, I don't think he really deserves to be in here. He's he's a really good guy. It's more so like, does he? Is he manipulating her? What is he doing? I want to know what he did. Yeah, I think it's not so much that he shouldn't be in there, which he shouldn't be. But the fact that the way they are treating him, it's kind of like a Zero Dark Thirty situation where everyone was outraged at that film because of the torture that's depicted on screen. And there are elements of that. It doesn't go into as much torture that actually went on at Guantanamo, but just how they show the sleep deprivation techniques that they... Mm -hmm like moving him every two or three hours I think yeah every night so he couldn't get sleep and how it like slowly drive him mad so the movie does show some harsher elements such as that Mm -hmm. that I think it can be tough to watch but I think it's important to see kind of why these prisoners are in the headspace they are whether they should be there or not yeah I think everyone should watch this movie (laughs) yeah it is really good Mm-hmm. The performances are great. For having kind of such a small set and like set design to work with, because it's only like a few rooms in the, the prison and then Kristen's dorm area, mm-hmm. wherever. It's really engaging and super interesting. Just seeing the same things every day, it's not boring. It's just humans talking. It's super enthralling, I think. Raw human drama. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. And capped off with, this isn't a spoiler, but capped <laughs> off with a final ending song of one of my favorite Antlers songs, Kettering. Yeah. It's one of my favorite songs of all time, and the movie ended with it, and I was like, hell yes. <laughs> That's when you know it's good. That's one full point more than I was going to give it. like in more especially indie our house fair like personal shopper and clouds of sils maria but this is even i think more accessible to the average person despite still being very much an independent film yeah as you said before i love that Kristen is basically up for anything she just is like yep sounds good let's do it she's not stuck in a box and even before twilight like you said she wasn't stuck in a box she was just doing whatever from whenever she was a child it's Mm -hmm. pretty great and like i was telling you she's basically like a sundance queen Mm -hmm. she's been at sundance since she was a kid (laughs) it's great i think we've learned now especially don't knock that Twilight cast. No. Case Do and our pats. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. And Two of our best. I hate that people put them in a box after that and they think that they're going to be lame and they haven't seen anything since the Twilight stuff mm-hmm. that they've been in because they think it's going to be lame. But they're missing a lot of great stuff. So I hate it whenever people do that. So yeah, check this movie out. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say... More like one out of a million. Give me that rating. There's not a lot of light things to choose from here. Mm -hmm. 
So I will go with Harry Potter books. I thought you might do that. Yeah. So I would probably get halfway through Goblet of Fire. So like three and a half (laughs) Harry Potter books. Well, I would give it four Harry Potter books out of five. This ain't no Death Eater. This is is a real winner. (laughs) Voldy ain't got nothing on this. If you want to see how many Harry Potter books you would give this, it is currently available to stream on AMC Plus, and it's available on Blu-ray. Do you think that most people would say that teenage beauty pageants are a good idea? Oh, yeah, sure. I know what some of your big city no-bra-wearing, hairy-legged women libbers might say. They might say that a pageant is old-fashioned and demeaning to the girls. What sickest women dressing like men? (laughs) You betcha, Iris. At the Mount Rose American Teen Princess Beauty Pageant. I'm Leslie Miller. I'm Amber Atkins. I'm Rebecca Lehman. There are only two rules. I aim to win. Winning is everything. I am the mother of the most talented contestant Mount Rose has ever had. And nice girls finish last. They wanted to see my room and film me for their movie. They ask you to take your top off. Get the money first. Drop Dead Gorgeous premiered in 1999. It was written by Lona Williams and directed by Michael Patrick Jan. It stars Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Kirstie Alley, Allison Janney, Denise Richards, and Sam McMurray. An annual beauty pageant in small town Minnesota turns ridiculously competitive and ultimately chaotic in this biting comedy. Amber Atkins, the daughter of hard-drinking mom Annette, and Becky Ann Lehman, who is motivated by her former beauty queen mother Gladys Lehman, are among the top contenders in the event. As Amber, Becky, and other local girls prepare for the big day, bizarre incidents occur that endanger the lives of the girls, leading up to an ending with a bang. It's time for the movie that we've already mentioned in a couple of our past episodes. The movie that no one has demanded, no one has asked us to do. It's Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yay. This is one of my top movies of all time. Probably like top 20. It is one of my favorite Kirsten Dunst movies and Kirstie Alley movies probably. And everyone in this cast because the cast is really big and it has a lot of great people in it. One of my favorite Amy Adams roles as well. (laughs) It is so good. And yes. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Yes, some things did not age well. If they took out Will Sasso's character and his whole storyline, the movie would be perfect pretty much. So yes, there are some things that don't age well, but I don't know, like there's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) The whole story is great. It's very like an acidic humor and I love the small town quirkiness and the weirdness and people being obsessed with this beauty pageant. It's like a huge thing for this town because they don't have that much to be excited about. so whenever this happens, they're all for it. And I love the obsession with it and how these girls are almost like celebrities in their own town. (laughs) Yeah. And people are like placing bets and stuff on who's going to win. It's great. We mentioned this movie last week whenever we were talking about Butter. And Mm -hmm. we said this is basically a better version of Butter. It is. Because this movie, it is really hilarious. It's so, just so darkly comedic. It's just so heightened because there are murders happening all the time and they just keep going on about their business because they have to have this pageant. Attempted murders. Even the cops are just like, don't know, must have been a malfunction and whatever. Like, whatever, let's keep going. (laughs) Don't you realize these people keep ending up dead? Just like, yeah. But can't cancel this pageant. Yeah. And it it is a mockumentary style. Mm. So that's even better. Yeah. 
I love like Kirsten's character is so she's not naive but she's so like pure almost mm-hmm. and just earnest and genuine like she really wants to do well and she really wants to get out of this town and she knows that one way that she can get out of this town is to win this pageant mm-hmm. because she'll keep going up and up in different pageants like it's levels that you go to and she wants to be a news anchor woman just like her hero Diane Sawyer <laughs> <laughs> and I love her admiration for Diane as well it's so funny but like she's not one of the richest people in town and one of her after school jobs is like a beautician putting makeup on the dead people at the funeral home (laughs) and so she'll like practice her talent which is tap dancing and she'll tap dance around and put on makeup and she always has her headphones on just tapping down the highway too yes yeah uh, I like her relationship with some of the other girls, like mm-hmm. as the what little of them are left after <laughs> after the bodies start piling up. But especially with Amy Adams and Brittany Murphy mm-hmm. in the film, just they're both really great. But they also realize that Amber is the person who probably most deserves it and yeah. could probably most take down the queen bee, Becky. Becky and Lehman. Yeah played by Denise Richards. But I like their kind of dynamic because there is some sweetness in between all of the like the acidic humor as yeah. well. There's that sweetness between the girls and then like between her mom and also Allison Janney's character. I who love is, their dynamic. Yeah. Allison plays her mom's best friend, but also is like a second mom to Amber Atkins, yeah. <laughs> Kirsten's character. Yeah. So yeah, Allison Janney as Loretta. I like her because she kind of just says whatever comes to her mind <laughs> and it's just, just always kind of kind of running her mouth uh, <laughs> yeah. while Annette is just always beer in hand, just <laughs> doing her own thing. Yeah, but she knows how talented Amber is and she really wants her to succeed and win. So she's really supportive of Amber and she wants her to have a better life and she knows what she is. She does hair and makeup too in her trailer, but she knows that she's not going anywhere, but she wants Amber too. So she's just like spouting off whatever. And She's, she's an advocate for Amber, yeah, definitely. She might seem like uncouth or whatever, but she doesn't care. Yeah. Both her mom and her kind of second mom are big brassy ladies. <laughs> yeah. Don't take no guff. Yeah. They got gumption. A lot of things in this movie are happening. So like with each scene, there can be like background jokes or just sounds and everything. So there's a lot to catch. It helps with rewatchability, as I've said. So like you always find something new. And one of the small things, I'll just say like a small thing that makes me laugh out loud is like they interview the contestants. So they'll they'll have like talking heads kind of, and they'll talk to the contestants and they're talking to one of them who really loves dogs and she has a few dogs and she's talking on her bed in her room and she's talking about her dogs you hear this dog barking and it, it sounds like a huge dog mm-hmm. and then she's like oh here's my dog now and picks it up it's a little dachshund like a wiener <laughs> dog so just like little things like that are hilarious it makes the movie so much better yeah i like this girl i know she's not a huge name in the cast but the very first yeah she's the first victim who she's the sports person in the school and just all of her sports and <laughs> everything whenever she's in her interview she just makes me laugh so much for being such a minor character (laughs) and just her riding around on her tractor I love the fact that, like, she is kind of like a corn-fed, like, homegrown country gal, and she works on her farm, and people are so intent that she's going to be the winner. Mm-hmm. So she's, like, the huge threat to Becky and Lehman. <laughs> I just love the that. stout girl. Yeah, and she, whenever she 
in the pageant, she's not that into it, but she's like, yeah, I just figured I'd do it because I like to win. And it's not as big of a deal to her. Mm. And people are like, yeah, Becky, you better watch out. <laughs> so I think that that's super funny. Yeah. It doesn't immediately jump to Amber Atkins. It's like this girl. <laughs> she wins everything. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Denise Richards is excellent in this movie. Her character is Becky Ann Lehman. Mm -hmm. Her family is the rich family and they basically run the town. So Kirstie Alley who is Gladys Lehman is used to being like pretty much the queen of the town Mm -hmm. and she also won the pageant in the past so she of course wants her daughter to win. Kirstie is very good at playing kind of cutting (laughs) characters. just makes you very uncomfortable but it's really funny. Yes, this is part of the time where it was like prime Kirstie Alley. Like Mm -hmm. she was doing all this great work. Mm -hmm. She could do no wrong basically. So I think it was before the whole Scientology stuff kind of took her down and I don't like that she's pretty much wackadoodle right now and gone off but like all of her work is so good. She's so good at what she does. Even in like the kids movies that she was in. She always plays these characters that have like an edge to them. The 90s and late 80s were hot for Kirstie Alley. Yeah. We mentioned Amy Adams. Oh my gosh. But we need to talk more about Amy Adams. That character is so amazing. (laughs) Muskrats. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) I just love that there's the character of her boyfriend who's always (laughs) shouting stuff at her. He's like really amped up. He's he's like the typical kind of like frat boy and he's all testosterone driven and he's like, yeah baby! And he's so supportive of of her and he's proud of her and he loves just touching her and making out with her and also showing her off. Yeah. Their, their relationship, it's really genuine. Like, they really love each other is the thing. And so she's really happy and delighted by him. So whenever he's excited for her, because he's, like, really amped whenever he's excited, she's pretty delighted. And she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, she's all giggly and everything. Yeah. And it's funny because if you just have a modern day Amy Adams in your mind, just to go back <laughs> to see how she was looking in this movie, because she has very distinct, makeup it's just kind of like big red lips and I don't know how to describe it but she has a very kind of painted on type face and kind of bigger hair and yeah she looks bright and fresh though yeah like teenager she's so great in the role yeah it's she's definitely one of my favorite characters in the movie she should do more comedies because I think she's hilarious yes because Enchanted yeah amazing I'm so glad for Enchanted too but also hesitant about it (laughs) What if after all this time, everyone's like, give Amy Adams her Oscar? What if she wins it for a comedic role? That would be wild, but... After all of the stuff that she's tried to do for yeah. com- or for drama? I mean, it would be wild, but I guess it'd be fine, because she definitely has deserved an Oscar by now, especially for a rival. But... Yeah, not even nominated for that one. I know! <laughs> what are they thinking? <laughs> But yeah, this movie, she's very funny. If you're an Amy Adams fan and you haven't seen this, you owe it to yourself to <laughs> to pick up this little gem. Please do. As you said, some little jokes here and there make are kind of cringeworthy mm-hmm. now. But for the most part, it's a pretty consistently funny time. Yeah. And whenever it came out, it didn't do well. Like, the critics hated it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because, I don't know, they just couldn't get on board with the 
the darkness. Like, I guess they were expecting lighter or something. I think it was like tones didn't sit well with them. It didn't match up with certain things, but I think that's what makes it really great. Mm -hmm. And it is a cult classic now because it's pretty amazing. Yeah. If you kind of mix Christopher Guest's best in show with Heather's, you kind Mm -hmm. of get what this movie is going for. Yeah, it is very Christopher Guest. I think I remember reading uh, one of the critics said that it was derivative of his work. I think the like biting edge, kind of the Heather's aspect of it more so makes it stand apart as a little bit something different. Yeah, I would not agree with that critic. Yeah. Something I find amusing about this film is pretty much the conceit of it is that these girls are winding up dead and no one's really sure who's doing it. But in the end, it doesn't really matter who's doing it. I mean, you kind of have a pretty clear idea of who's doing it throughout and they don't really try to throw you much of a curveball. (laughs) It's just the journey of seeing if these girls are actually going to end up dead and and all the townspeople's reactions to what is going on around them. How they just kind of accept that it's normal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're not really bothered or worried about it. It makes me laugh because even Amber, she's scared, but then she's just like, I guess I got to keep doing this. But her mom really wants her to keep going. But she's like, I guess because I got to get out of here. So like, what am I going to do? Yeah. (laughs) What else am I going to do? Because usually the girls don't have any chance to get out of here. It's usually the boys because they either get sports scholarships or they end up in prison. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I like that even though this movie is extremely dark, it has a lot of heart in it because of Amber Atkins, her character, and you're really rooting for her, and she's so just kind and sweet, but she's also really funny, and you really want her to do well, and she's really talented. Like, objectively, she's the most talented out of all of them, I would say, Mm -hmm. and she has the most promise in life, so... Yeah. If I may offer up a critique of this movie, because we've been doing a lot of gushing. Sure. I do feel that maybe the last 15 minutes or so kind of isn't as strong as the other majority of the movie. After the winner is crowned and then they go on to nationals, there's some funny stuff in there. It just kind of feels like the culmination of the story was the original winner being crowned. But then there are aspects about taking down pageant culture and bringing everything together that ties into the end. But there's like kind of a stretch when they go to nationals. Yeah. That kind of feels a little slower. I would agree that the main heart of the story wraps up with Mm -hmm. the pageant in Minnesota, the small town. Mm -hmm. But I also really like what goes on afterwards. Mm -hmm. It has some of the moments that I kind of remember. It sticks in my brain more. And I really like where it goes, though. I just think it loses just a tiny bit of the momentum comedy wise during that stretch yeah i guess it's a little bit slower but i still really like the the last part of the movie pageant culture has always seemed so toxic and everything like you were mentioning and i do like that this movie does point a lot of that out and it shows how americans probably Mm -hmm. and just the whole world they don't really give women a lot of opportunities it shows how society values mostly their looks and they don't really care much about what they have to say or anything it's just the only way that they can get out is winning this pageant and it's based on their looks and if they have superficial talents like singing or tap dancing so i like that this movie also shows a bit of that and also how it can be damaging to women and young women especially with like the eating disorder stuff and Mm -hmm. basically the whole 
adage of like beauty is pain women have to suffer to be comfortable to, to get achieve to, something yeah to get to a place of being happy or comfortable they have to suffer so i like that it it shows a lot of that yeah i get very frustrated with beauty pageants mm-hmm. because i doubt any of my family would listen but even if they did i don't care i would yeah. tell them to their face it's stupid a lot of them have entered family members into pageants a lot of the times and this film like one of the core things is the Lehmans they have the power in town and they're going to be the ones that win (laughs) no matter what yeah and even though it's exaggerated for this film that's basically what beauty pageants are anyone who has the power in town they're going to be the ones who win because someone's getting something from them yeah and like who's to say who's the most quote-unquote beautiful anyway but that doesn't matter but even so it's all corrupt yeah so it's just and then it just destroys young women's self-esteem yeah you have one girl who's happy for a little bit and then all the other girls are just wrecked because they don't think they're pretty enough the whole thing just coming up with judging women that oh it's awful yeah so knowing that i have family members who have been (laughs) literally in probably 40 plus beauty pageants yeah but like child yeah beauty pageants it kind of disgusts me yeah it's it's pretty gross (laughs) anyway (laughs) anywho I'm just saying, beauty pageants, they're not good. No. And I know people will argue, well, that's how they'll get scholarships and money and stuff. But it's like, hey, maybe support them in a different way. (laughs) Yeah. But at least this movie takes it down in a very comedic way. Yes. A darkly comedic way. So please watch this movie. It's really great and it's funny and you'll enjoy it. Very funny. My girl rocks! My girl is not rock! It's one of my favorite parts. Jessica, give me that rating system. I think my rating system will be made up corpses. Mm. And I would give this movie, I think I'm going to go with five made up corpses out of five. I was wavering between four and a half and five, but I think I'm going to go with five. So that is one good looking dead person. (laughs) Dylan, what is your rating system? I guess my rating system would be a tainted seafood. I thought about doing that, but yeah. So (laughs) I'll give this four and a half pounds of tainted seafood. (laughs) So porta potties beware. Woo. Get your bathrooms ready. Do not go in there. Woo! If you want to experience this cult classic, it is currently available to purchase on a pretty spectacular Warner Archive Blu-ray that I would highly recommend. Miss Third Ward, your first question. What is your aspiration in life? Oh, my aspiration in life would be to be happy. joining us for this episode of home dance film festival join us again next week when we will be discussing 2020's kajillionaire starring evan rachel wood and 2017's colossal starring anne hathaway and jason sudeikis plus a wild card that you'll have to wait to hear about for those who want to prepare at home kajillionaire is currently available to stream on hbo max and colossal is available on blu-ray and on hulu if you have any thoughts or opinions about the movies we discussed today or movie suggestions, you can write us at homedancepod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and tweet at us at homedancepod. 
If you feel so inclined, please leave a rating or a review. It helps us out. That would be great. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DylanGonzalez2. You can also find me publishing reviews almost daily on GeekVibesNation.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at JessicaNarrates. You can also find me on GeekVibesNation.com. We are proud to be a part of the Geek Vibes Nation podcasting network. Original music for the show is provided by Andrew Carroll, who can be found at musicbyandrewcarroll.com. Original artwork for the show is provided by Ben Belcher, who can be found on Instagram at the Art of Ben Belcher. I've been Dylan. And I've been Jessica. All my life, I've prayed for someone like you. And I thank God that I've finally found you. And I hope that you feel the same way too. Gucci.